We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parham. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to this edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parham, Neil McCready here with you today, or really just me here in the beginning. As uh, the majority of today's show, Neil talking to Jeffrey Wright. He is the uh, former co-host of this here show. You know Jeffrey by now, Memphis Radio, a couple times a day. And uh, they will talk a lot of sports on today's show, a show brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. You know, to take advantage of us trying to give away free money, we're doing that with the Exxon mobile app, taking a picture of the QR code right there at the pump. And if you do that, the app opens. It's a 1,000 bonus points. A 1,000 bonus points is $10.00 that you can use on the pump at the time. Also, you can head to the convenience store here in Oxford. You get a lunch special for $5.69, two sides of bread, 32-ounce drinks. Great. Uh, clean convenience store, a lot of selection, a lot of variety. Stop in when you're heading into town or out of town. A lot of people going on vacation this week. Make the Oxford Exxon and all the Blue Sky locations around Mississippi your stop along the way. I am in the Clark Ford Studio, 662-257-1900 is the phone number. That's on Highway 25 South in Amory. They will take care of you. Corey wants to be your truck guy, wants to be your car guy. Let him handle what is going on right now in the uh, in the car business. So give Corey a call, get a quote, and he will do the best he can. And then once you get the car, you know about all the great service that he supplies. Neil talks about it all the time. He'll come get your car. He'll get it um, get it serviced, bring it back, make it as easy as possible on you there with Corey and Clark Ford. Again, 662-257-1900. And then Jeffrey's appearing on the Raptors Music and Food Hotline. It's going to be a little chilly this weekend, but spring before you know it, Rafters here on Oxford in Oxford on the square, also in New Albany before long, Rafters on the water will open back up. Plenty of things going on here with uh, with Rafters, Rafters, good po' boys, good drink selection. So come in, watch the games. you got March Madness starting soon. you got baseball this weekend against Oral Roberts. So plenty of options there with Rafters. So let's get on with it. Neil and Jeffrey Wright coming up here on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline in today's Oxford Exxon podcast. Jeffrey Wright joins us, uh, kind enough to spend some time with us here on a uh, as we do this on a Thursday late morning, midday kind of thing. So you guys will hear this on uh, on Friday. So some of this will be a little timed unless you hear it a little later today. But I'm watching uh, Texas A&M in Florida in what is a critical SEC tournament game. In a tournament that won't have a lot of critical games, this is one. So uh, we're keeping an eye on that one. Uh, Jeffrey, first of all, thanks for spending some time with us. Well, it's always a pleasure to be here, and uh, I'm looking forward to the message board threads about things that I said and had no idea that it upset people. <laughs> well, well, I could say welcome to my world, but you've been in it before, so you and you know how that works. Uh, let's. I want to get to a lot of things. I want to get to the Grizzlies in a minute because I think they're fast becoming an absolutely incredible story, and John Morant was gone from being on the outskirts of the MVP conversation to really in the MVP conversation. We'll get to that in a minute. I'm going to ask you about Jalen Duran, uh, the rest of that draft class that um, my son talks about every day in the car. But first, I do want to get your thoughts on Ole Miss basketball. 
uh, as we taped this again on Thursday, less than 24 hours ago, Ole Miss's season ended with a uh, 12-point loss to Missouri in Tampa in the first game of the Southeastern Conference Tournament. You're not 30,000 feet away, but you're not you're not ground level anymore, so you're somewhere in between. I'm certainly not in it every day. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's sort of your assessment of Ole Miss from where you are at about 15,000 feet up, probably? I guess you have to start with the first question. And I understand injuries are a part of the sport, and I understand that, you know, especially when you lose significant players, that it limits your ceiling. I guess my bigger issue is they lost to Sanford when they were healthy. Like, how much better was this team going to be? And you would have a better answer to that than I would. But from, you know, from my vantage point, every time I watch this team play, they never pass the eye test. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, I would, I would say that's fair. There, were, there was a little stretch. I wrote about this in my column at the end of the, the game yesterday. There was a little stretch, about five games, they had uh, – they were really starting to build around Deshaun Ruffin and Matthew Morrell. And those two complement each other pretty well. Uh, Ruffin is a, a guy who can penetrate off the bounce. He can draw defenders. And Morrell is, is a guy who uh, is a very good catch-and-shoot He can score. Shooter, yeah. yeah. And, and he also can, he can create his own offense as a driver uh, if, if the defense is um, – a little out of whack because of penetration from a point guard. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I, I'm familiar because, you know, Matthew's originally from here, West Memphis, so I, I, I know I know Matthew a little bit. I guess, to me, the bigger issue is the SEC is a player's league, and Kermit's formula for much of his career, which has been very successful, has been coach him up. Don't know if that is a winning formula in this league of, hey, let me get the, the guys that I can coach up. And, you know, I, I just don't know what that formula is. And to me, like, if you look at, if you look at his tenure at Ole Miss, his most successful years is first year. And I know a lot of people think I'm going to say, well, that's credit to Andy. No, no, no. I would say what's important about that is that, that team and that roster under Andy had just had enough of them. And yeah, it, you know what I mean? And yeah. Kermit was something new and Kermit did a really good job with that team. And he had, he had good guards and he did a good job with that team. But since that team, it just wrong direction. And to me, the bigger issue more than anything is it's one thing to be mediocre but if you're going to be mediocre, at least be watchable. The problem with this team is there is just they're just so boring and they're so mediocre. Yeah, like, it, they even are. Even if like we take the games like okay, the Tennessee game in Knoxville could have gone either way. Like even if you flip the swing games, this team was what at best probably what 9 and 9 in the league. That's very generous. Yeah, and, and they caught some bad luck, right? They they lost they lost to Tennessee in overtime. They lost to South Carolina in double overtime on a half-court shot at the buzzer at the end of the second overtime. But keep in mind, they were headed towards a third overtime. Um, yeah. They they lost to um, Florida in overtime down there. Um, they also had some breaks. They played Florida at home, and Castleton didn't play. Um, you know, breaks even out over the course of time. What you can't get away from is they lost to Missouri three times. They lost to Missouri by 25 at home. They lost to Missouri by, I want to say it was six, maybe it was eight, whatever, in Columbia. And then they lost by 12 on a neutral floor. Um, I think they were favored each time. I know they were favored the last, or favored all three. Yeah, so did injuries hurt them? Yes, injuries hurt them. Um, I refused to do the Robert Allen with some devastating loss. I I'm not going there. Deshaun, losing Deshaun when they did, and I think that was February the 1st, losing Deshaun Ruffin was was a painful loss for them. There's no question about that. Um, You know, Jarkel Joyner was out for a while, although I've contended all along that it would be problematic to play 
Jaquel Joyner and Deshaun Ruffin at the same time. Now, they could have done some things where they could have applied some pressure to teams. They could have applied some pressure to teams by being able to alternate those guys. You'd have three guards. You'd be able to bring Deshaun as a starter, maybe use Jarkel as a sixth man running a second unit by NBA terms. So there's there's some things you could have done, but the idea that losing Jarkel and not having those two together cost you a ton of games is something that I have a difficult time buying. Yeah, I, I guess in the end, like a lot of it is always going to be spin to a certain degree and oftentimes you know we think of spin as well just lying and you know obviously rule number one for me is don't tell the story tell your story sure i guess for me the 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 bigger issue is did this sport change over like you know you've you made a good point on I think it was ten thoughts maybe or I can't remember I can't remember exactly where it was but I believe it was ten thoughts. You made a good point in that there is a blueprint at Ole Miss to have success. We're seeing it in women's college basketball and and it's becoming the transfer school. Yeah. I do wonder though, is it going to be as easy to do it in basketball? And, because, and you know what? It's, it's, it's interesting you say that because the, the, I've had this conversation with somebody else, and, I, and this is we don't talk about it much because they don't get much numbers. I don't, I don't think it was easy for uh, Yolette McPhee McEwen to go recruit the way she did out of the portal. I think she had connections, and I think she worked them hard, and I think she was able to kind of sell a, a, a vision for her for her program and they've obviously turned it around to a point that they're they're a legitimate threat to get to the sweet 16. I don't think it was easy for Lane Kiffin, but Lane Kiffin has a brand and he was able to see that hey this portal works for us a little bit and he has coaches that have connections, he has connections. He sort of utilized all of those things to put together pieces from the transfer portal to do what they've done in 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 um uh, in football and what Kermit hasn't done, and this is the disconnect, and I feel like I'm criticizing Kermit lately, and I don't mean to, but what Kermit hasn't shown me that he really gets it is that if, if you give him a pass on this season, right, yep. just say, okay, stuff happened, shit happened, the game changed, you were a little late to the party, okay. And that's a hell of a, of a gift right there, but I'm going to give it to him. By going and signing four high school kids in this class, a year after you signed four high school kids and only one of them contributed, Ruffin, shows me you don't get it. You have 13 spots and you're committing eight to high school kids from a two-year span, and most of them are development projects. Shows me you don't understand. It shows me that when you talk about, hey, I saw what Calipari did at Kentucky. I saw what Bruce Pearl did at, at Auburn. Um, shows me that you really didn't. And frankly, those aren't good examples because Cal has great players. Uh, Auburn has Jabari Smith, who might be he he'll go no lower than third in the NF in the NBA draft. So when you say that, I'm like, eh, doesn't that doesn't that, that I don't I don't buy that. The the if I heard him say, you know what, we're going to try to do what Arkansas did, I'd go, okay, now you're understanding a little bit because that's what they did. That's what Musselman did was he went out in the portal. And he didn't go heavy high school. He went portal and got pieces here, piece there, and put a puzzle together that makes sense. Now, next year, he's got elite kids coming in, and they'll take off. They'll be really good. But that's when I when I see the four high school kids in addition to four high school kids, I'm like, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know that you're doing math right. Yeah, and I guess my concern on on this topic is, okay, for better or worse, even if Ole Miss isn't an elite SEC program, being in the SEC gives you cachet and gives you that's where that's where kids want to play, and so you're at an advantage. And then, like, let's take let's take women's basketball. How many programs in the country try in women's basketball? Like, 
it just feels like it's easier to get into the portal for Ole Miss and football and to get into the portal for Ole Miss and basketball just because uh, of your stature. And I do wonder with Ole Miss basketball, I mean, we've seen Lane Kiffin complaining about, you know, being able to compete with name, image, and likeness. And I, I think it's a legitimate concern, but my bigger deal is like Ole Miss has never been able to compete in recruiting in basketball. And there's more programs, you know, there's more programs that are trying to compete in basketball than there are in women's basketball and where you are in football. Yeah. I just, I really, really, I'm more, I'm more curious about, can you do it that way? Because that's the thing, like, okay, you can go get in the portal, but as you and I have said time and time again, a lot of these guys are in the portal for a reason. Can you get the best of the portal, or are you just going into the portal for the sake of going into the portal? It's a great I question. I guess that would, that, that would be my, my question is, did the Ole Miss basketball job get really, really hard overnight? Because, you know, take a, look at, take a look at the landscape of the league. Kentucky's going to be Kentucky. Arkansas, as you mentioned, like with Musselman, well, Musselman's also got a, a really nice advantage. Uh, people care about Arkansas basketball. And, and, you know, Arkansas athletics matters, and they've got a lot of money. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen with LSU now that they get their, that they got their notice of allegations. But, I mean, Auburn has got Bruce Pearl and they're rolling. Alabama's got Nate Oates. You know, they had a, a bit of a down year, but they're still going to be a tournament team. A&M is, you know, if, if anything holds true from name, image, and likeness, a and is going to be able to get some guys. You know, State has always proven to me to be able to get guys better than Ole Miss can in basketball. And, and I don't know if that's just strictly a, a money thing or if it's connections and whatnot, however you want to phrase it, but they've, they've always been able to do it at, at a higher level than Ole Miss. I don't know what the... So I guess the reason why I bring up the other ones, I, I see a formula for football and I see a formula for women's basketball. I don't know what the formula is for men's basketball. And it's possible there's not one. Um, I, I just look at the landscape. and I, I mean, I guess, I guess the, I would say this. The only formula that makes sense is special coach. But, I mean, that's, you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. want to talk about a lottery ticket. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. I, I look at it, Jeffrey, and go, the only way I think it works here. Um. I think it's got to be a coach who's got a really connected staff. Like, I think you've got to have, of your three assistants, I think all three have to have real recruiting connections in the business. And I think the only, I think the only path here is is the portal. I think it's 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 bringing in a lot of portal guys. I really do. I and you and you can get the occasional high school kid. Kermit's proven that, right? You, you he got Matt Morrell. Sure. He got Deshaun Ruffin, but I don't think it's – I don't – and this is where I think they, they fall into the trap of, of still being at Middle Tennessee. The class that they put together here the last two years, with the exception of Deshaun, feels like Middle Tennessee classes where you had time to develop kids, where that there's you, – and you also can – I think Kermit's an exceptional coach. But I'm sitting here looking at a game between Mike White and Buzz Williams, and I just don't know that anybody out coaches anybody at this level. The coaching staffs are too good. The, the analytical staffs are too good. The players are too good. I think this is a player's league, like you said, as opposed to the Sun Belt, which I think is a coach's league. This is a player's yeah, league. I keep going back to and and I know it's the Big 12 versus the SEC, but Bill Self had mentioned – there was a GA on his staff, I believe, that, you know, really wanted to be a coach. And, you know, Bill Self said, well, you know, do you want to coach kids? Because if you want to coach basketball, he told him, you know, go hi- go to high school. Yeah, go to high school. And, Most and, and of co- my job is not coaching. Right. Most of my job is, you know, you know, coaching during the week. But in the game, you know, you just got to you got to play. And yep. I just, 
I, I just wonder, you know, is Kermit cut out for that? And I, I don't know, like, just because you don't work out at a job doesn't mean, like, you can't coach. And so, like, I don't want to deal in hyperbole there, but I, I do wonder if if the entire game changed so quickly that it makes Kermit not a good fit. I'm breaking this podcast. Tell you about Community Mortgage, Oxford, Memphis, Soto County, and Chattanooga. All underwriting and processing is done in Memphis. They're getting local underwriting and understand your market. A leader in condo financing, the float down option, and more. You can find Jason at 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. Podcast also brought to you by N.E. Spark. That's Northeast Spark. They have two packages of internet available, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze, the one gig that powers the Clark Ford Studio, your hometown team, bringing you world-class broadband. That's nespark.com, 662-238-3159. Phone service, parental controls, network security, a wireless mesh extender for those who need that extra step and more. So get the best internet in Lafayette County. Again, that is 662-238-3159. Podcast also brought to you by G&M Pharmacy, 662-236-2222 is the number. You can go in, you can get your medications changed over to GM. Don't have to use those big box stores. Get local service that takes care of you. They deliver locally in the Oxford area. They offer MedSync to fill your prescriptions the same day each month, right there on South Lamar in Oxford. Again, that is 662 236 2222. And if you love eating shrimp, but don't particularly like choosing the right option at the store or cooking it at home, you're not alone. Most frozen shrimp available at the store is raised and processed 8,000 miles away and subject to poor farming practices. Don't let a bad option ruin dinner for you. Choose New Orleans-based prime shrimp and take pride in the shrimp you eat. They've been peeling and processing shrimp for 70-plus years. They know how to do it right. Shop primeshrimp.com. It's a risk-free purchase, money-back guarantee. Ship straight to your door. Use code MPW for $20 off your first order. They got the new flavor of the Louisiana Shrimp Boil and their signature seasoned and their French Quarter Alfredo. So, again, prime shrimp. Dot com podcasts also brought to you by visit oxford visit oxfordms.com it is time to get those hotel reservations for double decker if you've not done that it is toward the end of april it is a huge weekend in oxford you've got double decker you've got Ole miss mississippi state baseball you have got the grove bowl that weekend so much going on so go ahead and get those plans get those dinner reservations get those hotel reservations and to find out what's going on in oxford every single week that's visit oxfordms.com slash events they will take care of you and let you know what's going on here in Oxford and Lafayette County. And then last but certainly not least, the podcast brought to you by Johnston Hill Creamery. Small batch, artisanal cheese, fermentation, charcuterie. It's made right here in-house in Oxford. They uh, they make it daily. They cut it. They put it in their cheese cave and make it ready for you. It's on White Oak Lane, just off Molly Bar. They've got cheese classes coming up. They do bakery. You know about all the king cakes over the course of, uh, of the Mardi Gras season, grazing tables and much more. Go to the website, johnstonhillcreamery.com, or their Instagram page. It's just Johnston Hill Creamery, 662-419-9201. I think it's fair. I do. I just, as we sit here, I'm, I'm waiting for some kind of an announcement. I, mean, I, think, I think he's going to get more time, but I do think, and I wrote this a couple weeks ago, I think that they've got to address it from a to get the fans to come back. Because you know, you know this because you're in a market where they're college basketball crazy. They love college basketball in Memphis. They, as you well know, they love the Tigers. Um, and and you know, and that's when they're bad. They're they're upset when they're good. They're they're euphoric, but they're always interested. They're 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 never particularly apathetic in Memphis about the Tigers. There's a lot of no, ap- with, with there's Mem- a lot of apathy with here. And, with Memphis and the Tigers, it's you know, it's very similar to like Tennessee football. I mean, if you want to make the case that, okay, the program's not what the fans think it is. Okay. I I can hear the argument, but in the end, people care. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, sure. You get extremes. Yes. And so, you know, it swings from fire penny. He's a disaster to, okay, well let them win 10 of 11. And then all of a sudden, you know, everybody's back on board. I guess the problem that I've had is, I've never bought the argument that Ole Miss, Ole Miss fans won't go to basketball games because I've been around it my whole life. Yeah, they do go to basketball games. Kermit's first year, they went to the Kentucky game. They went to the Tennessee game. They went to those games. 
They packed the pavilion for an they packed the pavilion for an NIT Elite Eight game. They'll go to basketball yeah. games. Yeah, and, but they won't go see a bad team, and to me, right. or a boring team. Right. And I think that's the biggest fear that I have. I don't even necessarily know. Like, I mean, obviously this is a bad year, but it always has just struck me that they're they're never good enough to justify being boring like tony bennett wins enough that you can justify being boring uh mark adams at texas tech like they're boring to watch but by god they're winning and so guess what people show up even really chris beard his entire you know career like they play boring basketball but they win and so you you can deal with that the biggest fear is that if you're boring and not winning, I mean, people got other stuff to do. Agree completely. Uh, speaking of the Tigers, you anticipating that they win their conference tournament? Do they, it, I was very critical of Penny, and I think it was deserving in in December. Uh, that the, the team that came to Oxford and lost to Ole Miss was not was not well coached. It was not well organized. It was not a happy team. They they did not play with much chemistry. I thought they're toast, and then he had the blow up at Calkins. I guess a, a week or so later, or whatever. But since then, they have kind of figured it out, and it looks like they're headed to the tournament. He's done a heck of. I, I'm giving him credit. I guess is is that fair for me to give him credit because I think he's done a heck of a job turning what appeared to be a train wreck around. Yeah, I guess it, he deserves credit. Like in the end, like they're they're a good bat got to give him credit for that. What makes it confusing to me in making a determination is how much credit do you get for solving the problems that you created? And yeah. what I mean by that is in the end, this season was always going to be, it was always going to be complicated because Penny made the decision to go recruit Amani Bates. I don't think you can fault him for recruiting Imani Bates. Imani Bates is considered, you know, at the time, like, forget forget context and, and what it is now, but at the time he's considered a type of special talent. The bigger issue was that Penny's vision for recruiting Imani Bates was to have him play point guard. And the only way it was going to work was if Imani Bates could play point guard. If you started to ask people that had covered recruiting and you would mention this idea of Amani playing point guard, almost to a man, every single one of them would go, man, I don't, I don't know about that. Like, yeah, he can handle the ball fine, but there's a difference between being able to handle the ball and playing point guard. Well, it was very apparent early on he could not play point guard. So now you have a freshman that, let's be real, had been made a lot of promises and he's now a wing just like all of your other wings because the original idea is Amani plays point guard, you add Jalen Duren as your rim protector, and then you've got veteran wings around him. And then you've got another veteran, uh, power forward, kind of do-it-all guy in DeAndre Williams, and that was the formula. Well, when that doesn't work, now you're starting to, you have to move Amani to the wing and you're, giving him, honestly, a role that he hadn't earned, and now the older guys are getting upset. And so Penny's getting upset that the older guys are, are not treating Imani the way that he thinks he needs to be treated, and he's having to put out all these fires, and it just, it, it just took forever to fix. Well, kind of turned out the, the answer was addition by subtraction when Amani all of a sudden starts having, uh, wait for it, according to his father, biomechanical injuries, which that was a new one to me. I was like, I don't think he knows what biomechanics means. But that solves the problem. And this team still doesn't have great guard play, but they're old. They've got a tremendously talented big in Duran, and then they've got a really good college basketball player in DeAndre Williams. And then Lester Quinones is a veteran that, that does a lot. Landers Nollies is, is a very good shooter. And, you know, it's all starting to come together. 
the issue is though, you know, how much blame does Penny deserve for creating this? I, it's a complicated question to me. Like, I don't know if you can really say, well, he shouldn't have recruited Imani Bates because a lot of people would have recruited Imani Bates and a lot of people did recruit Imani Bates. And I, and, and I know that. And then I also think there's another complicating question of, let's say he made the decision not to recruit Imani Bates. Would he have gotten Jalen Duran? Because I don't know if this team's anywhere near where they are without Jalen Duran. And so I, I think it's a, a very it's a very complicated matter. And then obviously the, the other issue with Penny is when you talk like he does, you know, it's going to make people, it's going to make people want to jump on you when things aren't going well. And I've always kind of felt with Penny, he's not the savior that tiger fans want him to be, but he's also not as bad of a coach as a lot of people, particular particularly around here that support SEC schools want him to be. He's somewhere in the middle, and he's probably closer to being a good coach than a bad coach because he puts a pretty good roster together. And then furthermore, if you look at if you look at the type of hire that he was, you know, former great player coming back to the alma mater and and running the ship, He's got to be in the top end of, of those guys. I mean, ask Georgetown how it's going. I mean, you know, Clyde Drexler at Houston, uh, Chris Mullen at, at St. John's. I mean, we see time and time again. I mean, I think you'd say Jawan Howard has been more successful, but obviously that's like also a, a, a nuanced conversation. But Penny's done a pretty good job. Yeah, he has. I, like you said, the, the first thing is he's bringing players there. He's putting rosters together. Um, I was going to ask you about the Grizzlies right away, but I'll, I'll transition to this. Obviously, the team that I follow in the NBA, because the house that I live in, they're they're not going to the playoffs this year. They're, they're the focus is on losing as many games as possible mm-hmm. to get the highest. And they're pick. doing a tremendous job. Well, they're trying. They're not doing quite well enough. I'm a little worried that they're going to do the fifth best job at it when they need to do the third best job. But regardless. Well, the, if it makes you feel better, the Grizzlies should have been doing this. They did the seventh best job at it, and then they got they got lucky in the lottery and they got the number two pick. Yeah, you're at the end of the day, you are a hostage to ping pong balls. Correct. Um, speaking of ping pong balls, what do you think of this class, and um, what are your what are your thoughts on Jalen Duran as time has gone on? So. The interesting thing to me about this draft class is, are we having a big man resurgence? Because it... Boy, it just depends I, on how you view... It Doesn't it depend on how you view Chet Holmgren a little bit? Because if if you view him as a big man and he turns out to be a big man, then, then yeah. But, man, I watched that guy and I'm... I'm I know he's skilled... I get it. He is just so damn little. Yeah, but there's a fix for that. Yeah, there is. Oh, I mean, he's got a very high ceiling. I guess for me, the bigger issue is how many bigs that have we seen in the last five years in the draft that have made differences? Ayton and Ayton, it wasn't a you know injuries injuries slowed it down at the beginning, but it certainly. It certainly took a while. I also think it's, I think it takes longer for bigs to develop at that level because it's it's such a, um, yeah, it's I, not just putting your back to the basket anymore. You know, yeah, what I, mean? like I, I would is, I would argue that Evan Mobley has has been quite impactful in his first year. I would I would argue he's been quite impactful. Uh, Bagley obviously disaster. You know what though? When you're when you're in Sacramento, I'm not even sure I hold it against yeah, the kid. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much is to blame. Jaron Jackson has been. Mixed, but I think it's mixed to positive. Yeah, negative. I think it's mostly positive. I saw a stat on him the other day. I can't remember it. I need to find it again. But I think I put it in ten thoughts. Um, he's he's doing a lot of things. I mean, maybe he's not scoring the way some people thought he should score, but he does a lot of things extremely well that are very impactful for for winning NBA basketball games. Yes, and. 
the biggest problem that he has is where he is truly elite is the defensive end. And, you know, the only people that care about the defensive end is coaches and scouts. So it, 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 I guess I would say mixed to positive only because stayed on the floor healthy wise health in the end a big injury concerns is is always scary yeah but it feels like the top end guys of this draft are all bigs but not necessarily bigs that can play the wing and I think in the end the reason why you have to take Jabari one right is because he does have wing skills. Yeah, he's my he's my guy. Like if I have if if I'm an NBA I guy, and I have the first. Pick. The most like because I'm like you. I loved Mobley coming into the draft Me last too. year, but you know what I mean. Like I understand why they took Cade Cunningham, but like Jabari feels like the one that most resembles Mobley to me. Yeah, and and I think Jabari has because his shot is so smooth. That when he plays, because he's playing with bad guards right now. I know they're fun to watch, but they're not particularly no, good. Thank you for saying this, because I've now been having like this argument of yeah, they're bad guards. They're, they're not as bad. It's like y'all, I no. I have a show where I have to watch them, and it's my honestly. See if you agree with this. I would rather if I'm a team like Memphis, I would rather see number one seed Auburn in the round of 32 than number two seed Kentucky. No question about it. No, I, I might even I might even go further. I'd rather see Auburn than I would see Tennessee. Tennessee might grind Memphis to death. Um, yeah, uh, you know uh, Kentucky, I think would grind Memphis to death. I think I think Memphis could beat Auburn. Um, what Auburn? Because what would be fun in that would be to watch Duran and and Kessler because they're both good. Play- Kessler's really. Frankly, he's criminally underrated as a player uh, this year. Yeah, I don't know what his NBA ceiling is, but he is a damn good college big. Yeah, I, I think he's I think he's a ten year NBA player. I don't I don't think he's anything more than like a a, a role player on a good team. But that's okay. He, I think he's kind of Jonas. Where okay, maybe in a playoff series he might get played off the floor athletically, but that guy's going to put up points and rebounds. He's going to put up points and rebounds. He's a, he's a very good defender. He's a smart defender. If he plays on a team, and most NBA teams have really good guards, if he plays on a team that has good guards and he can just not lose his athleticism, I think he has a long career because he's not a bad athlete. He's not a great athlete, and he gets exposed when you watch him against you know on the same court with Jabari Smith, who's who's an incredibly smooth guy. You you see the difference, but their guards aren't good, and so on on Jabari. There is a part of me that wonders if you put him. We'll use the Thunder as an example since we're kind of talking about elite team. I mean, elite bad teams. If you put him on a team that where you got a, a, an elite passer like Josh Giddy, who's penetrating and creates and gets the ball to to Smith on the wing with a little bit of space, I think he can become a very good shooter. He's gonna he's gonna get he's gonna I mean, get used so much well, better. You just need those guys to be able to shoot. Open shots. Yeah. Well, he's going to get – and I think he'll make open shots. And then I think as he gets a little older and a little stronger, his his ability to create off the bounce is going to improve. And as he gets a little bit bigger – and when I say bigger, I mean a little more ass – he's going to be able to put his back to the basket on some people when he gets mismatches. I I think his his upside's really high. Now, his – his floor is lower than people think it is because if he doesn't become a significantly better shooter, now people don't guard his, don't take him out as far on the wing, and all of a sudden some of that other stuff gets taken away from him. Oh, and I think that's fair. I mean, I guess when I look at the draft and I just look at the NBA in general, it's like they're still in this league are wings and. I just wonder with this draft, like I, I can envision worlds where all of these guys are, you know, special players. But I can also envision a world where, you know, these guys are, are 10 to 12 year guys, but they never really, you know, they like I don't think Marvin Bagley's career's done, but no. like, can't see all them going that route. 
Yeah, I can see like Boncaro. I'll watch him one night and I think, oh boy, he's just got so much upside. And then there's other nights that I watch him and I'm like, I don't get it. I, 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 he's fine. That's that's the problem, man. Is that, you know you you tank and you 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 know like next year's class I think is loaded with some guys that are um almost surefire surefire studs. You you tank and you end up should getting. We, should we? I want to ask you this. Should we treat Duke basketball players like we treat Ohio State quarterbacks? Maybe. I mean, who's the best? Who's the best? Duke basketball player in the NBA today. Best Duke basketball player in the NBA. Tyree. Uh, no, no, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's Boston. Um, uh, Tatum. Uh, Tatum. It's Tatum. That's fair. But like, that's the other thing. Because like right now, right now, the two best young players in the game are Tatum and, and John Morant. And Tatum felt. Ballyhoo, the, the typical Duke guy. Yeah, I see, I think I think Tatum could have gone anywhere and been a star. He's just, I love his game. I don't know how much you watch him. Um, no, I, I did. Well, he's you know he's the he's the guy that Mem, you know Memphis people. That's like their pipe dream of finally the assets that they have to go get and, and to Oof. make. Boy, he. I he, think the problem. Boston Boston and Dallas to me are similar teams in that they both had new coaches so they had slow starts but now they're starting to find their form and they're starting to play really good basketball and like I, I just don't think Boston's going to collapse to the point where you got to blow it up. Yeah, I don't either. They're up to 5th right now in the East and they're they're only they're tied in the win column with Philadelphia at 3rd. They're 3 games back in the loss column, which is significant. But I mean, they're only four games back in the loss column from the number one seed in the East. They're not gonna. They're not. They're not blowing it up. No, and I mean, I got a good look at them last week when the Grizzlies played them. That felt like that had a playoff game vibe to it because you can, you know, both teams were were coming in pretty hot, and uh, they were they're physical, like they were on offense and not get credit for how they guard they play i mean they guard hard yeah it's their culture he's, steven's now i know he's not the coach anymore but he's still in that building and it impacts what they do and they i like their team i mean they're i, I think they're a sleeper in the east well and i think there's also the the element right now with if i say you got to put you know you got to put your life on a team from either conference that's going to make the finals do you have anyone you feel good about? Because I think the answer is probably Phoenix, but Phoenix has got questions with Well, with Chris Paul's health, because if health, if Paul's not healthy for the playoffs, they get they get vulnerable fast. Now, if, if he comes back fully healthy and everybody's in place, yeah, they're the prohibitive favorite in the West. But if he's not, but like I still don't feel good about it, do you? Without Paul or with him? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I make them the favorite. No, I don't feel. I mean, no, there's, there's no sure thing. Like in the East, if you told me to bet on a team, I think I'm. I think I'm just going to bet on Milwaukee just because because I do get Giannis, and I can ride I, that a little bit. Boat, but the, you know, what if if Brooklyn gets healthy? Like you could tell me Brooklyn freaking comes out of the play in and then ends up winning the thing. You could tell me Philadelphia. Look, if sure. if Harden gets healthy and gets remotely dialed in. He and Embiid are going to be a bitch to guard. Oh, I, I think I'm. I don't know. I I guess I was in the minority. I was surprised. I thought the the trade that made the most sense was for that because now Harden has got an inside guy that takes attention and he gets to like. I think that fits his game more. Yeah, he gets to be on ball and he is the he, yeah. His game demands the basketball. Right, which, which and why that was he and the problem for me in Brooklyn is you had three guys, and I, and I get the Kyrie thing this year, but it's like you had three guys that need the ball. Absolutely, I mean Durant's game is has kind of morphed into a ball dependent game. Yeah, and I don't count out I don't count out the Bulls. I think Billy's done a phenomenal job with that team. And then I mean you can't disregard Miami's record; they're forty four and twenty three. 
That's no, this- last night, I mean, I know it's it's a basketball game, and there's 82 of them in the regular season. That was alarming to me. What What did they do? I didn't even see it. They played Phoenix in the game, like at home, and the game was like, it, I, I was bored because I kept wanting it to be a good game, and it never got into being. Oh, I see. They lost 111 to 90. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, that, that is that is alarming. Um, I just see that good score down there at the bottom. Losing by 30 to the Timberwolves. That's, that's what I'm talking about. That's that's how you get this thing done. Um, hey, I'll tell you what. They're fun, too. Though they got three guys that can score. Oh, they, there's no question about talent. I mean, Edwards is very talented. Cat. I mean, they, they've got guys who can, for whatever reason, they just have a hard time kind of putting it all together over any period of time, probably because it's hard to win in the NBA. That's that's the dirty little secret. You know that. You're, Did you you're, think Edwards was going to be this? Because I saw him in person four times, and I watched him a lot. The thing that was alarming to me about him in college was he was never bad, but it's just like. He was on really, such a bad team, though. Yeah, and, and, I, and, and I now that you see, I mean, you you realize how bad of a coach Crean is at Georgia. And they just never did anything to help him. Like, sometimes he would play the four, and sometimes yeah. he's playing the one at Georgia. And there were just times that I, I wondered if he was thinking in the back of his mind, just don't get hurt. Just don't get hurt. Just don't get hurt. I, I don't know. Did you just think, did you ever think he was going to be this? I knew he was athletic enough to be this. The Oxford Exxon Podcast also brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan's the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Great lease deals as well. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. Whitney McNutt, Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serves you for all of your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. She sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes. You can reach her at 662-567-2573 or 662-842-3844. We're brought to you by Service Specialist Staffing and Recruiting Agency. They've been connecting great job opportunities to candidates since 1967. If you're on the job hunt, whether you're seeking an entry-level position or you're a seasoned professional, they have opportunities across the board. Uh, Basically, whatever you're thinking about, IT, engineering, dentistry, human resources, maybe you don't even know what you're looking for, they can help you. Their goal is to get to know you, your strengths, see what you're looking for in your next career move, and find the right fit. Using service specialists is free for the candidate, and all conversations are kept confidential, so you have nothing to lose by giving them a call. Is your company looking to hire quality, hard-to-find talent? Service specialist can help. Keep in mind that payment of service is solely contingent on if you decide to hire a candidate that they send. You have nothing to lose, so give Will, Sydney, or Kelsey a call at 662-832-5138 or check out their new and improved website at servicespecialistltd.com. We're brought to you by The Rogue. The Rogue is your destination for fine men's clothing. Their stylist hand select pieces from top designers, from work to lifestyle to nightlife. There's the perfect something for everyone at The Rogue. All the best items from Peter Millar, Martin Dingman, Jack Victor, Halsey, True Grit, Duckhead, and so many more. They've delivered fine men's clothing for 55 years. Their classic style, attention to detail, and commitment to excellent service continues to make The Rogue a special place to shop. 4450 I-55 North in Jackson or the rogue.com. Don't just imagine uh, what you don't just accept what you see, but imagine something new. Step forward, chase after a better version of yourself. Every day, Corinth Dental is helping people reinvent themselves one smile at a time. Dr. Bubba McQueen, Dr. Jenny Beth Hendrick are devoted to restoring and enhancing the natural beauty of your smile using conservative state of the art procedures, including Invisalign. These clear aligners are the virtually invisible way to improve your smile. So call Corinth Dental today for a no-cost digital scan of your teeth. Let them show you the way to a straighter, healthier smile. 12 months, no interest, no down payment financing available at CorinthDental.com. We're also brought to you by Bell & Grove, based out of Chattanooga. Bell & Grove is a logistics provider with more than 35 years of transportation industry experience. They specialize in domestic freight movement throughout the continental U.S., They can navigate through supply chain issues while also leaning on their partner carriers to get the most competitive rates possible for their customers. In addition, Bell & Grove can help customers design a custom solution for their shipping needs. Whether your business is in need of moving a truckload, a partial shipment, or a flatbed, Bell & Grove can accommodate you. They also provide both air and ground expedited services for customers who need to move product quickly. For more information, call Daryl Oliver at 865-672-6557. And we're brought to you by Southern Traditions Farm. It's a 68-acre, 32-stall, 
upscale equestrian training and boarding facility in Canton, Mississippi, two sand rings, a grass ring, miles of wooded trails, so much offered at Southern Traditions, including horseback riding offerings from beginner lessons with Susan Walt to buying your first horse and competing at nationally recognized competitions. Under the teachings of one of the best young professionals in the sport, Bowers Cone, Southern Traditions has high aspirations for the future. Along with owners Ben and Hillary Craddock, Southern Traditions has become one of the leading equestrian facilities in Mississippi. For questions or information about lessons, boarding, or sales, please contact Bowers at BowersCone1 at gmail.com or message them on Facebook or Instagram at Southern Traditions Farm. Yeah. I, I mean, didn't, they, I, I didn't know are, whether he'd ever get dialed in enough to be, you know, that kind of player, but. I mean, they're, they're. I mean, you know, fascinating. I mean, the the West is fascinating, right? I mean, you've their, got their biggest problem is trying to figure out who the guy is because you know, Russell Russell can go off at any time. Cats obviously a tremendous player, and then Edwards has just been like, I think if they can figure out like what the formula is, like they're. They're really fascinating. Well, that's what could be a lot of fun, like a Memphis, 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 Minnesota first round playoff matchup. Two teams that haven't been to the postseason really, suddenly playing a series where you're trying to figure out what you are, and that's where I'd give the advantage to Memphis. And I'll transition to this now. When I watch Memphis, I don't, I don't see young team trying to figure out who they are. I see talented deep team who knows exactly who it is. So it's this weird. It's this weird uh, evaluation for me because on the one hand, you are what your record says you are. But on the other, having watched this team night in and night out, there's a little part of me that wonders, was this a team that was built for this regular season in particular in that, yeah, they've had injuries like other teams and they've done well, but it's like, it feels like they have exceeded expectations by being the team for a while that that nobody really took all that seriously, and they just played hard. And they're young, and they play hard, and they don't know any better. And then on the other hand, there is this, we'll take a look at the landscape, and there's a real opportunity. You've got a dynamic lead guard. You've got You've got a, a really, really good shooter in Bain, and then you've got this athletic big in Jaron Jackson, and that's a pretty good core. And I haven't even gotten to Dylan Brooks, who's your best perimeter defender, but I do have a question. I mean, I think it's high, you know, it's high ankle sprain. You know, how is he going to be coming back? It's been a little slower than even they expected. Was that them being overly cautious? Was that? Or was that as simple as, hey, high ankle sprains are weird injuries? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, we see it all the time in football. You know, it could be six weeks. could be 10 weeks, 12 weeks. Like, it's just, it's a weird injury. But, I mean, right now, at the minimum, it's really fun. I just, I'm at the point now where I went to the game on Tuesday night. And, you know, it wasn't like, oh, uh, you know, be cocky about the team. But it's like. I'm just kind of ready for the playoffs because I don't really know if there's anything else we can learn from them until we see them in the playoffs. And I know there was a case to make a deal at the deadline. I still don't think there really was a deal for them to make that made them better. I never saw one, but again, I don't know what the deals they had. But I think they made the decision, we want to see what this team's like in the playoffs because they believe this is the beginning of a run. And I do too. When you look at their age, there's there's certainly that possibility, but you know, who who's to say who's to say what the future holds? I mean, this team could finish second in the West this year and still be picked sixth next year. Like, you know, the Clippers are gonna be better, the Warriors are probably gonna be picked ahead. Who knows what the Lakers do, but Phoenix is still probably gonna be ahead of them. Utah's still probably gonna be ahead of them. I still think Dallas coming into next year will be ranked ahead of them or expected to be ahead of them. So you just never know, but to me, what I'm curious to see is, is this team, is this team more than just a team built to be in the, you know, have a lot of success in the regular season because of their depth 
and, and the way that they play because there is definitely a, a way that they can be a legitimate playoff team just by roster construction. There's also the possibility of the game gets into more of a half-court game and the Grizzlies are still not a great shooting team and you know they end up being disappointing. I don't know. It's it, it's that's kind of where I am with this team. It's like I want to see them in meaningful basketball because I just don't know what else there is to learn right now. That's no, fair. They remind me of um, the Thunder early in their run back with Durant and Westbrook and those teams. They just kind of have that kind of swagger about them where you, you think to yourself, you know, you're going to be a contender for a while. And people get hung up on the fact that the Thunder never won a title. And that's true. But they were in the mix for the better part of a decade. Well, it's also really hard to win a title. It's it's brutally difficult to win a title. But they, you know, they went to multiple Western Conference Finals, for example, with that group. You know, and that's if you're Memphis, that's your got to be your goal. Your goal has to be to be a perennial playoff team that m- can win a playoff series and get itself in deep into the playoffs where you have a shot, where you, the ball bounces your way, injuries work out in your favor. And, and in their case, this time, and where I think they're different from the last time, the last iteration of a Memphis contender, is that that team had good players, had multiple good players, Conley and Gasol and, and, and Randolph and Tony Allen. All those guys were all good players. There was no franchise MVP caliber player on, on that Grizzlies roster. And Morant, I think, is different in that he is an MVP caliber player who could carry you in a series. Yeah, that team had a clear ceiling. Like that team was Wisconsin football. Like they oh, That's a good example, yeah. They you know what I mean? Like they they play a different style and that made them very good, but it just always felt like they had a ceiling whereas this time You've got the transcendent special player, and you're building around him, and it feels like there's not a ceiling. Agreed. Doesn't mean that it's gonna doesn't mean that it's gonna develop, but in terms of in terms of you know hopeful being a fan, it's way more fun to have this because you can dream bigger. Agreed completely. All right, before we uh, bolt, your thought. There've been a lot of exchanges at quarterback. You watch the NFL as much as anybody. Um, Obviously, it's a quarterback league. I think we see that year after year. The Rams get Matthew Stafford. They 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 win a Super Bowl. The Bengals get a full season out of Joe Burrow, and they pull off some uh, wins in the in the playoffs and get very close to winning a Super Bowl themselves. Been a lot of quarterback shakeup. Russell Wilson now in in Denver. You've got uh, Carson Wentz going to Washington. Seattle obviously looking for a quarterback. There's talk about New Orleans and Jimmy Garoppolo. Just kind of your overriding thoughts on how the the face of the league has changed with some of these moves. Yeah, so I think there's also talk with Indy and Garoppolo. It's fascinating to me with Garoppolo in that teams are more like Indy was Indy would rather take a chance on Garoppolo in a labrum surgery than doing another year of Carson Wentz and I mean I get it. But the thing that's interesting to me, and I don't know how you feel, and I know you've been talking to a lot of people, I guess so much of the thought of it is, well, this quarterback draft is not any good. And I guess where I am on this is I don't know how people can definitively feel that way. Because I always thought there was no question last year's quarterback draft was good, I was never in the camp that thought it was this generational type quarterback draft that the likes of which will will never be seen. Yeah, it's and, guys. It's guys that are. are it's kind of like the NBA conversation we just yeah. had. It's guys where if you told me, hey, if you told me, hey, Malik Willis ends up being a really good NFL quarterback, I'm like, okay, he's got all the physical tools to do it. But if you told me Malik Willis ends up kind of being a bust. Okay. Malik Willis kind of ends up being exactly what he's been his whole career. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I got it. I, I I get it. If you tell me Pickett ends up being a really good NFL quarterback, I'm like, okay, I can see it. And if you tell me Kenny Pickett ends up kind of being a poor man's Andy Dalton, I'm like, okay, I get that too. And it's like Corral, you know, as much as everyone likes Matt and I like Matt and and, and all of that, and, and Matt was a great 
quarterback at Ole Miss this past season. He's only done it one year. Kind of did it two years. I guess I give credit for two years. The one was the COVID year. Uh, you, teams do want to see, hey, can you can you not lean on your feet? Can you can you make things happen with your arm? And then people want to see, can you read defenses? And if you tell me that Matt Corral ends up being a, a, a franchise quarterback someplace for 10 years, completely buy it. I love everything about the kid. If you tell me that Matt ends up being an injury-prone guy that has a hard time staying on the field and kind of gets cycled out, I could see that too. Yeah, I, I, I think what we're seeing more than anything, it matters where you go. And I think there's two things with Matt. I always feel like in every draft there is someone – that catches fire and catches momentum and everyone overlooks flaws and they just, they, they lock in on them. And there's a lot of group think in the draft because honestly, I think a lot of times they overthink it. I, I really do. And they start convincing themselves that, you know, with all these, I can't teach tools, but I, I can coach footwork and I can coach some of this other stuff. And now there's this, thought of well the high end of this league is guys that can extend the play and make you know make plays down the field and get the big chunk plays and you can easily talk yourself into Malik Willis fits that as well as anyone I guess my question is and the the hang-up I've always had with Willis you'd probably know better or maybe Jay this is a better question for Jay if Malik and Bo Nix were playing at any other school other than Auburn would Malik have beaten Bo out like how much would I guess was Bo Nix's last name and you know Auburn Auburn legend whatnot versus Bo we might have been better than him oh it's 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 fascinating Willis to me is fascinating I mean he's such a gamble and someone's going to take him 10 11 or or do that deal where the NFL does, where you're like, okay, we, we're a little concerned someone's going to get him, let's trade up. And all of a sudden you trade up to six to take him or five or whatever, and then it becomes this Trubisky-like reach in the draft. where it's Well, but then there's also this element now. The funny thing for me is Trubisky's kind of a hot name to pursue right now because – Well, your Giants are pursuing him. Well, I mean, A, Daniel Jones has got neck problems. And then the other thing with Daniel is – he has at times shown that he is good enough to play at this level. And then at the same time, he turns it over so much that, like, there's just nothing you can do. And then if you've got neck problems, I mean, good God. But I think really the bigger aspect for Matt, maybe Matt, you know, and then the other thing I was, uh, I was talking about momentum. Like, Matt seems to be the prospect that doesn't have momentum. And I don't know if it's because, you know, he hasn't really been able to, to work out because of the injury versus he doesn't have a lot of NFL reps on tape versus no one really from that offense has ever gone into the league and had success. It's entirely possible that that lack of momentum plays to Matt's benefit because he falls in the draft and winds up in the right situation because that's really the other thing that's pretty obvious, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Trevor Lawrence Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson both did not have good rookie years. Why? Well, because they went to two of the worst franchises in the league. And Mac Jones, all of a sudden, you know, everyone's, you know. Oh. I think the Brady the Brady comps are obviously absurd because people don't realize Tom Brady has a freaking howitzer. But obviously Mac Jones makes the playoffs because he went to a great franchise. Maybe that's, you know what I mean, like in the sure. end – when so many of these guys, like special guys are going to be special no matter what, how many of them are in the league at one time? Five? Maybe six? The rest of it is, you know, because to me, like, Matt feels like he could be a lot like Stafford where, you know, you get him in the right situation and he is good enough to, to take your franchise to pretty good heights, but is he the type of player that, plug and place him on any franchise and all of a sudden it's a winner. I don't really know the answer to that. I, I would lean no, but I, I would also acknowledge maybe because I've watched him take teams that I don't really know how good they were or weren't 
and he made them really good. And that's something that matters. And I, I don't know, like may, I just keep thinking like if Matt can fall far enough to get to the Steelers, that feels like a pretty good setup. Steelers, I think would be a perfect fit for him. Great franchise. He'd be surrounded with a good back right away. There'd be a lot of pressure off of him. He could just go in and, and Roethlisberger was mediocre enough at the end of his career that you're, you're, yeah, you're filling big shoes, but you're not filling those shoes in the prime of those shoes. You know what I mean? So you, 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 you get compared to the, you get compared to the end of the Roethlisberger era and not the prime of it when he was an elite NFL quarterback. You also are replacing Roethlisberger at a point where everyone knew it was time. Yeah. You know what I mean, like it, there's not even this hope of, well, what if we would have just, what if we would have just played him one more year? Like everyone knows it's time. Agreed. Hey, uh, as always, I really appreciate your time. People don't know this. You give up in the middle of your day to do this sometimes, and you have a morning show, and then you got a show at 2 o'clock. So I know that uh, this was not super convenient, but as always, I uh, thoroughly love talking to you. Appreciate you spending some time with us. Anything, anything for you, buddy. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.